Welcome to The Right Side of History, a podcast dedicated to exploring current events through a historical lens and busting left-wing myths about figures and events of America's past. I'm Jared Stepman. And I'm Fred Lucas. Today, we are lucky to have presidential historian Craig Shirley joining The Right Side of History to talk about his new book, Mary Ball Washington, The Untold Story of George Washington's Mother. The book takes a look at how the indispensable George Washington might not have grown to lead the revolution and become the first president, if not for his mother, a complicated figure in her own right. Here is the interview. All right. I am here at CPAC with presidential historian and Reagan biographer Craig Shirley. Uh, he actually has a uh, his newest book is a biography of Mary Washington. Um yeah. George Washington's mother, of course. Um, and as a Fredericksburg resident, I'm actually very interested in he- hearing a lot about that. There's a ton of things that, in the city named after Mary Washington, right. a university, a hospital. Um, so, and, and, and now the baseball team. Yes, right. Right. The, so, the Nationals minor league team in Fredericksburg, their new, uh, their new uh, motto, or their new uh, emblem is a caricature of Mary Ball Washington pitching to George Washington. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah. A junior version of the Washington Nationals. In yeah, sense, exactly. I guess. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And instead of having the, the racing presidents, I can have the racing presidents mothers, maybe. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good. I hadn't thought about that. Good idea. <laughs> um, so, 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 tell us about the, uh, first the, the title and tell us all about the book. Uh, Mary Ball Washington: The Untold Story of George Washington's Mother is the first definitive biography ever written of George Washington's mother. And I have been thinking about this for a long time, Fred. And the more I researched it, the more I looked into it, the more I realized is that history has been very unfair to Mary Ball Washington. She was even Ron Chernow in his in his otherwise masterpiece book Washington, which came out several years ago, he described Mary as an unlettered woman of the country. Well, actually she she wrote letters. She was fairly articulate for a woman who never, never had a formal education. Uh, and she lived in Fredericksburg, which was a major hub of commerce in the 1700s. Uh, so even he got it wrong. And, and, as I, and as I investigated it, I found out that in the, in the period between her death and the Civil War, when she did emerge in Washington biographies or little pamphlets about her or hagiographies about her, she was portrayed as kind of like a June Cleaver type character or, you know, Mary, the mother of Christ or something like this. It was after the Civil War when the when the realism period took hold in American fiction and nonfiction. When you got the Red Badge of Courage and you got Melville and uh, other writers about the gritty reality of human existence, uh, another portrait of her emerged, and it was more like a Joan Crawford type. Uh, and she was harsh, and she was cruel, and she was a helicopter mother, and she was uh, demanding, and she was uh, she was shrewish. All those terrible adjectives. And so uh, my investigation was was that she was both June Cleaver and Joan Crawford, and she was neither June Cleaver and Joan Joan Crawford. She was much more complicated than that. She was much more nuanced than that, and she was a much better person than she'd been portrayed by history. Okay. What what inspired you to want to dig into this? We go to uh, an Episcopal church that we go to, which until 1776 used to be an Anglican church, um, down on the uh, northern neck, uh, White Chapel uh, uh, Method, uh, um, Episcopal Church, and it is the 
ancestral church of the ancient Ball family. Mary went there as a child. Her parents went there as children. Her cousins is that. And they had a lot of old Ball family records uh, there at the church. And I guess it's because uh, my father always loved George Washington. He was his favorite president. He instilled that in me. And then we lived for many, many years on one of George Washington's original farms. We lived on uh, Doe Creek Farm, uh, which is one of his five farms around Mount Vernon. Uh, and it just that I wanted to write some, I've written books about Franklin Roosevelt, I've written books about Ronald Reagan. I wanted to do a book about George Washington, but, it, but I wanted to go at it differently than the usual scholarship about him being a general, him being a planter, him being president of the United States, the fights with Hamilton and Jefferson, yammy, 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 all those things that have been pretty well exhausted by history. Right. Uh, and I realized is that, is that I could kill two birds with one stone. I could get at the history of George Washington by going through his mother, who had never had a decent book written about her before. So I, killed, so I was able to, to write a book about a corrective about Mary Ball Washington while also talking about her relationship with George over the, you know, over the many years from the time he was born uh, until her passing uh, in, in the 1780s. So um, what kind of influence do you think she had on his life uh, as both a, a general, as a president, as... Well, nothing is as president because you know because um, she was dying when he became president. She died okay. of uh, she died of breast cancer a couple months after he became president after he was sworn in. Uh, it, but but as a young man, a, a considerable amount of influence. George's father died. Augustine died when George was only eleven years old. Mary was the quintessential single mother raising six children on her own in in her in in, in her thirties. Uh, and she did actually a very good job at it. Now, her youngest, Mildred, died at, at, in infancy. So, but she still raised five children to adulthood. And all of them were pretty good citizens. Uh, George, being the oldest, was obviously the exemplary citizen, the greatest man in American history, or, or so King George III thought at the time. So she had an enormous amount of history. And all those attributes... All those marvelous adjectives that we come to uh, bestow upon Washington for his courage and his faith and his honor and his dignity and, and all those others is that his father died when he was only 11 years old and his half-brother Lawrence was a influence on George's life, but he was often gone from Fredericksburg and died in his early 30s. So, so it stands to reason, just deductive reasoning, that the adult who had the most influence on George Washington's life was his mother. And as a matter of fact, he wrote, he paid tribute to her, is that it was her, the maternal hand that led me to a, a manhood. He wrote that. Um, one example of the influence that she had over him, when he was 14 years old, he wanted to become a British cabin boy in the British Navy. Uh, and uh, she was dubious, so she wrote a letter to her half-brother, John, in London. And it, this hot letter came back to her within, you know, a matter within weeks uh, to her saying, under no circumstances can you let George join the British Navy. He will be treated like a dog and used other adjectives to describe even you know, even worse than a dog. We can't say it here. Uh, but in the, 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 in, in the British Navy, there was, there was a caste system among cabin boys, among, among the... the 
among the uh, the officer corps too, right. and the and the and the seamen's corps, but among the cabin boys, it was British, sons of British royalty were first, British subjects were second, and then all the way down at the end of the list after after Jamaican slaves were American cabin boys. Hmm. They were treated the worst of, of anybody, and this is also a time when the Admiralty kept very good records. British Admiralty, mm-hmm. one third of British cabin boys died at sea. Oh wow, one third. Scurvy, dysentery, washed overshore, died in battle, died of infection, and they were also uh, down in the hold with these with with the crew for these British ships, who were just this scum of the earth. So she hadn't stopped that from happening. It might have changed history. It would have changed history. He would have, he would have become yeah. an officer in the in the British Navy, yeah. uh, and may have become may have died. May, may have died uh, or America fought. may not have existed without his leadership. Yeah, yeah. So. well, I don't think America would exist without his leadership. I think everybody said so at the time. Everybody right. believed that at the time. Right. That's why he was chosen unanimously to uh, as the commander-in-chief. He was chosen unanimously to preside over the Constitutional Convention. He was chosen unanimously as our first president of the United States. And then he was unanimously re-elected as president. So all these marvelous qualities he had to get from somebody and... My strong argument is is that he got them from his mother. As far as his time as a politician, uh, or as president, really, that's the only office he held uh, right. politically. Um, what, what do you think? Uh, well, he's he, met in the House of Burgess and oh, stuff oh, like that. Okay, okay yeah, yeah, sure. I, yeah. um, what, what do you think he, he that she did to shape him in terms of uh, presidential leadership? I don't know if I can, if there's any one incident, Fred, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that her strong presence, she was a woman of faith. Mm-hmm. Her faith was very strong. And uh, unlike most women uh, in the 1700s, she was, she was a reader. Oh, okay. uh, and, uh, and she used to go to Meditation Rock there in Fredericksburg. It's a big mm-hmm. outcropping of rocks there. Right. Uh, and, and, and read her Bible. Uh, sometimes she would take her grandchildren there and read them uh, the Bible. Uh, I think it was just that, that she was she was a fighter, and she was tough in a century that was very tough for women. Is that in the 1700s, women could not only not vote, they couldn't own property. Their job was to take the property that they uh, inherited from the, they didn't inherit, but, they, but their, when their husbands died, their deceased husbands died, they were supposed to act as caretaker of that property and then pass along uh, to their eldest son when they reach the age of majority. So anyway, it, it, that, uh, despite all these odds, despite all the things that arrayed against her, she was still an enormous woman of character and she instilled in him. Now, there were times when, when she, he did not obey her. He did on the, being a British cabin boy. And he did become a surveyor. She wanted to become a surveyor, and he went. He became a surveyor. But, for instance, she didn't want him to go to the Ohio Valley, and he went to the Ohio Valley to fight the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War, uh, three times. He went first as a lieutenant colonel in the Virginia militia, and then the next two times he went as an officer uh, in the British Army. And it's clear that he loved adventure. Uh, he wrote a letter to his brother John when he was in the Ohio Valley, and he's talked about the, the, something romantic about the sound of bullets as they whizzed by. You know, so he clearly loved the, the right. being out and about and, and the combat, and even being you know for a time he was a he was a prisoner of war until he was the, the British got him back in a hostage exchange with the French. Okay. All right. Um, well, I. 
I think those are all the questions. Uh, uh, anything else you would like to add about the book? And uh, tell some well, more where read. you can get that. It's a great read. Uh, it's uh, wonderfully written. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed writing it. Uh, I think there's one thing um, about, and I noticed this about your style too, is that um, too many writers, especially when it comes to colonial history, they write like an academic. Mm-hmm. They write as if they're looking down at their subjects from 30,000 feet. I don't. Right. Yeah, I write, you're I write a conversational writer. Conversational. I write at ground level. Right. Uh, and I think that that's a more entertaining style for the reader. I think it's a more fun style for the reader. Uh, I think it's 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 not, you know, I don't I never insult my readers by talking down to them. And I think too many academics talk down to the reader. They lecture them. I don't lecture. I just tell invite try to tell an inviting story. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. You bet, Fred. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Enjoyed it. That was Craig Shirley joining the Right Side of History. The book is Mary Ball Washington, The Untold Story of George Washington's Mother. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to everyone for joining us on The Right Side of History. You can check out our work at Ricochet, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can also check out our work at DailySignal.com and my Twitter handle, at Jarrett Stepman, as well as Fred's Twitter handle, at WH. Thanks again for joining us. You've been listening to The Right Side of History, brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive produced by Jarrett Stepman and Fred Lucas. Sound design by Lauren Evans, the Leah Rampersad, and Mark Guiney. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.